feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. I know your name is Rita. Because your perfume is smelling sweet. Tonight, as we are talking about Israel and President Biden throwing Netanyahu under the bus, saying the Netanyahu government needs to change. I find that just audacious. How dare he tell another government what they need to do? Uh, Maybe Netanyahu should say the U.S. government needs to change and grow a spine and protect Israel at this time of crisis. Where is our president? What a mess. And a lot of people are talking about just how the world right now is in such unbelievable disarray. It is in such chaos and such crisis. I mean, we had Zelensky today at the White House. We have the president throwing, you know, Netanyahu under the bus as they're fighting Hamas, hoping to get some of the hostages back. Uh, They got slaughtered on October 7th. And Biden is worried about the Palestinian protesters, so he's not condemning them. And then we even have Venezuela planning to take over parts of Guyana. Uh, It's like all these people are doing these moves. You see what China's doing. You see some of the other chaos spots in the world, North Korea, Iran. They're all feeling emboldened. And what's the key? We have a weak American president. And we also have problems within. And I'll tell you, I was really disappointed in Harvard because as we're talking about anti-Semitism and the problems that are going around around the world, Harvard has an emergency meeting last night with their board. And the board, after getting letters from hundreds of faculty members who didn't seem to have a problem with the president of Harvard's dismal testimony last week on Capitol Hill, it was utterly pathetic. And it was shameful. We know that the UPenn president was, quote, forced out. And everyone's saying, "Okay, well, is Harvard next? Because, boy, she was very dismal when she testified, too. And then all these apologists, faculty members came to her side. And now suddenly the board unanimously after this crisis meeting last night unanimously decides to keep the woman who famously said this last night. Remember this exchange, by the way, last week with Elise Stefanik, and here she is with Claudine Gay, the president of Harvard, and now she has a job, I guess the faculty and the board doesn't seem to have a problem with her pathetic testimony. Do you believe that type of hateful speech is contrary to Harvard's code of conduct, or is it allowed at Harvard? It is at odds with the values of Harvard. Can you not say here that it is against the code of conduct at Harvard? We embrace a commitment to free expression, even of views that are objectionable, offensive, hateful. It's when that speech crosses into conduct that violates our policies against bullying, harassment, Does that speech and not cross that barrier? Does that speech not call for the genocide of Jews and the elimination of Israel? When you speech- testify that you understand that is the def- definition of intifada. 
Is that speech according to the code of conduct or not? We embrace a commitment to free expression and give a wide berth to free expression, even of views that are objectionable. You and I both know that's not the case. You are aware that Harvard ranked dead last when it came to free speech. Are you not aware of that report? As I observed earlier, I reject that characterization. It's the data shows it's true. And isn't it true that Harvard previously rescinded multiple offers of admissions for applicants and accepted freshmen for sharing offensive memes, uh, racist statements, sometimes as young as 16 years old? Did Harvard not rescind those offers of admission? That long predates my time as president. But you understand that Harvard made that decision to rescind those offers of admission. I have no reason to contradict the facts as you present them. Correct, because it's a fact. It's a fact. And sadly, the fact is also that Harvard has decided to stand by that president. What's different about her than the president of UPenn? And does this now make it essentially an issue that's going to get swept under the rug by these universities? I was optimistic when I saw the president of UPenn that she, quote, resigned after donors were threatening to pull out tons of money. The same thing was happening with Harvard. And I thought, boy, maybe there's going to be a sea change in education where they will now focus on being inclusive for Jewish students, not just African-Americans and others, but for Jewish students as well. Truly an institution dedicated only to learning and letting people of all faiths and all colors and creed learn equally and protected equally. But I guess that's not the case at Harvard. Harvard continues to be a bastion where they've accepted her answer, which to me is ludicrous. It depends on the context of how this is said. That is pathetic. And many of the people that came forward said, oh, you know, I thought her answer was appropriate. So they're living in this like, you know, incubated box where they all have groupthink. It's like the loonies driving the insane asylum, you know, and it doesn't sound like it's going to change at Harvard anytime soon because Claudine Gay just got the go ahead to keep on going. And, you know, it's really sad. There have been cases in the past where people have used the wrong pronoun or where there was plagiarism on campus because there's accusations of her on plagiarism where students got kicked out. But for some reason, Claudine Gay gets the overpass every single time and continues to stay there. So what does this mean for the future of free speech and also cracking down on what is truly hate hate speech, dismal, disgusting hate speech, saying that, you know, oh, it depends on the context of genocide. What, you want to see it happen first before you're going to do it and before you're going to, like, rebuke it and criticize it? This, to me, was pathetic, and she couldn't answer a basic question So today, Congresswoman Lee Stefanik, who you heard there, well, guess what? She came out and she was stunned that Harvard did not remove this woman as well. And this is what she says about the future of one of the best schools in this country. There is a reason why the testimony at the Education and Workforce Committee garnered one billion views worldwide. And it's because those university presidents made history by putting the most morally bankrupt testimony into the congressional record, and the world saw it. As a Harvard graduate, I'm reminded of Harvard's motto, Veritas. 
which goes back, and it's older than the founding of our country. It goes back to the 1640s. In addition, the motto was Veritas Christo et Ecclesiae, truth for Christ and the church. Larry Summers, who was president of Harvard when I was an undergrad, talked about the meaning of Veritas is divine truth, moral truth. Let me be clear, Veritas does not depend on the context. This is a moral failure of Harvard's leadership and higher education leadership at the highest levels. And the only change they have made to their code of conduct, where they failed to condemn calls for genocide of the Jewish people, the only update to the code of conduct is to allow a plagiarist as the president of Harvard. And she is an alumnus, by the way, Elise Stefanik, of Harvard. And she's just shaking her head. UPenn got rid of the woman, and Harvard, well, the board is standing by this woman and her pathetic testimony and her dismal apology. I I mean, if somebody said, you know what, isn't genocide a bad thing? Well, let me think about it. Is rape and pillaging a bad thing? Well, let me think about it. I mean, this is insane. And yet this woman is still holding a job at, again, a really renowned institution for learning in this country. Is this the beginning of the end of people finding some moral clarity? I was optimistic. I thought, again, we had turned a corner. But after what I've seen from the board of Harvard, I'm not so sure. And here's Leo Terrell, a civil rights attorney who was disgusted when this news came a few hours ago. I'm outraged. I'll tell you right now, the Jewish students are in harm's way. I want to be as clear as I can. Claudia Gay kept her job, in my opinion, because of her skin color. That's her skin color protected her. The University of Penn's president resigned. Claudia Gay should have been fired because she did not protect the Jewish students. But Harvard is committed to DEI. And her and Claudia Gay's race protected her from losing her job at the expense of putting Jewish uh, students in hard way. It's outrageous. And Leo Terrell also says that if it was an African-American, things would be different. If it was a protective class group, if it was black students who were being targeted, this would never happen. This would be over immediately. You would have the National Guard. You would have every black student protected 24-7. The Jewish community, the Jewish students are in danger. They should, they are being intimidated. It is obviously clear that Jewish students have been deprioritized at Harvard University, and it's outrageous. It's outrageous to me because I'm a civil rights attorney. Everybody should be treated fairly and equally. Claudia Gay is being given preferential treatment for her for her because of her skin color. The Jewish students are being devalued because of their religious beliefs. What a sad situation. And do you agree that if the students were not Jewish students, but black students or LGBTQ, that maybe things would be different? I'm a big believer. You treat everybody equally and you treat everybody respectfully. And it seems at Harvard, there are several different standards. And this president just got one big old pass. What does that say about the future of clamping down on this disgusting level of anti-Semitism that we've seen in so many of America's schools? To me, that is so, so troubling. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. We also have a president 
who seems to go after Israel but won't condemn the protests at schools, not even where the UPenn Biden Center is. He said nothing. It was crickets during all this stuff that's been happening at the University of Pennsylvania. Not a word. Doesn't say anything. And yet that's where his UPenn Biden Center is. Does that agree with anti-Semitism? Does it depend on the context of all of it? That is disgusting. Let's go to BJ, line two. Uh, BJ, this is just a stunning moment. There are so many issues in the world. And this president, I use the phrase often because I feel it describes him, is rudderless. He has no cojones, BJ. Yeah, no, Rita, thanks for having me on. You're, you're, you're right about that. That's that's a very accurate term. I, I, um, I, that, I sat, uh, uh, I hate to say this, but I was dumbfounded. It was chilling watching these uh, representatives from the highest lear- centers of learning in the country speak almost with one voice uh, in the most unenlightened, uh, cave-like manner, unpatriotic, uh, ungodly, um, <clears throat> not defending our weakest people. You know, we're paying for this, okay? We're paying for uh, this with the form of loans. All these state grants and these federal grants these colleges get, and now we're paying it for to, to the tune of a trillion dollars in loan forgiveness. The only way to stop this is to follow the money, you'll find the master. And when you find the master, you have to shut the master down. Unplug the federal funding from all of these universities. Believe me, they will change their tune. This is chilling what went on before Congress. They weren't even trying to hide anything. Yeah, they, they weren't embarrassed. The they weren't. You, you are exactly all. right. They, I think they thought their answer was correct. I mean, that's the scary it's, thing, BJ. Real quick, your thoughts. Not, they, they had no desire to change. They had no desire to see anyone else's point of view. And uh, I'm very grateful, actually, to uh, Congresswoman Stefanik uh, for pulling the curtain back. We now know the truth. We now know the enemy is within. This ignorance and hatred is not just happening in the Middle East. This is happening in our streets, in our universities. It's historic. If they say they used to say if it's hysterical, it's, it's historical. That is to say, this has happened before in Germany in the 1930s. The Nazis took over the universities. Anyone that didn't agree with them, they killed on the spot. That included professors. That included t- teachers. Uh, we are in a very, very toxic, uh, uh, combustible climate. And, I, and, 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 and BJ, we, and BJ, we don't have a leader at the top who is condemning it. You know, like we need you need a role model. You need somebody to say this is not the standards that we Americans represent. It's not the standards that we should represent to the world. And we don't have it. That's why I think in so many ways we have the chaos that you're speaking about. 1-800-848-9222. We'll continue your calls after the break, everybody. You're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. This is the Rita Cosby Show. So are you stunned that the Harvard board, after everything, decided to keep Claudine Gay? 
Uh, it is shocking because this is, I think, it spells sort of the beginning of the end of people being held accountable for bad behavior. Imagine if all these colleges felt they had to change like University of Pennsylvania did. Then you might see a groundswell and you might even see a clamping down of these protests. You might see a whole bunch of these things happen. But Harvard just gave this woman a free pass. And that to me is pathetic. And I think it sets a very, very dangerous standard uh, of what's to come. What should be done? And do you think clearly, in my mind, Harvard faculty and especially the board made an enormous mistake? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Sandra in New Jersey. Line two. Sandra, your thoughts about all this? Oh, good evening, Rita. First, on Saturday Night Live, I have to say they were a disgrace. It's a disgrace that these um, the show minimizes the seriousness of genocide and endangering people's lives. But what I, I wanted agree. to talk about was right. But David Scott, David Portnoy, do you know who he is? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, absolutely. Okay, great. He he he's taking a stand on this. He's saying that um, Harvard, MIT, and UPenn, he will not hire anyone of anyone from from those schools until. They change the leadership from the top. And, and that's what has to happen. They have to change all those people, put all new people in who have the right normal kind of uh, views. And, um, and, and he even won't even hire, he won't even hire someone Jewish from that school right now. How do you like that? He's not taking anybody from any of those schools. And uh, Bravo. Got, By the got, way, that's great, Sandra. Don't you think? I say bravo. I do too, and he got 10 million views so far. So his his word is spreading, and I'm hoping that other people will follow what he says and maybe just changing the people from the top, replacing them with new people. Yeah, they got to keep the pressure up. Um, and that's the other thing. Bill Ackman, who's a big hedge fund guy, he's the guy who's been saying, I'm waiting for Harvard to do the right thing. So it'll be interesting to see what he does. And remember, he said he's not hiring any of these students. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Hero segment, which I love doing every night here on the Rita Cosby Show, where we get to honor our great veterans and their families. A powerful story from Jacksonville, Florida, where World War II and Korean War veterans shared their stories of service at a very special remembrance event over the weekend hosted by the We Can Be Heroes Foundation. Dozens of veterans from World War II and the Korean War were honored at the annual Pearl Harbor Remembrance Event held at the Star Veterans Memorial Arena. One of them, Julian Myra, who's an Army veteran, said, I got drafted. I got right in on the tail end of World War II. Myra celebrated his 96th birthday just a few days ago, but says he still remembers when he was 26 years old and just starting his military service. He said, I went to Germany for the first time. Then during the Korean War, they kept me in the States. I worked in the States. I worked for the Army headquarters. 
He is just one of a handful of these veterans who was honored by this great nonprofit, which is headquartered in Jacksonville, Florida. James Snellen, who is a Navy veteran, said, At 17 years old, I forced my parents into signing my papers for joining the Navy. My ship was one of the first that I recall that entered Nagasaki after the bomb was dropped. Wow, what a powerful, powerful story. And how beautiful that they are able to talk about what they did and also feel the love from the community. Another young Marine Sergeant Major, Sean Vernon, who is following in the footsteps, by the way, of his great-grandfather, who too was also a Marine, and he served in World War II. Well, this young Marine sergeant said, quote, it's really, really important for civilians and other people to realize just how much these veterans need our appreciation and need our love, not just World War II veterans, but really all veterans who have served our nation need and deserve our love and support. Very, very well said, and I 100% agree and always love when our military, and of course, I always bring up their families because they play such an important supporting role in making military successful. And we are talking now about all the craziness that's happened at these schools. UPenn gets rid of the president. She's resigned, quote, But now Harvard instead says, no, we don't really see a problem with Claudine Gay. She's going to stick around despite her crazy testimony. Well, Sandra from New Jersey was just talking about Dave Portnoy and how he said he's not going to hire people who came from these schools because he's just so disgusted with it all. And here's a little bit of Dave Portnoy uh, highlighting what Sandra was just saying. You will not hire anyone from Harvard, UPenn or MIT until the school's dean stepped down. Has anyone from these schools applied to work with you? Yeah, well, after I... First of all, we already have Harvard grads, so they're, they're grandfathered in. But uh, in the Penn dean, President McGill, she stepped down. Uh, yeah, a lot of people reached out. But, I, you know, I think it's not only me. I think a lot of leaders have to do it. It was disgusting what those uh, deans and presidents did under oath. Uh, makes no sense to me. I don't know how, if you can't condemn genocide, I don't care whether we're talking Jews, Muslims, any group of people, then you don't deserve to be, you know, in a position of power. You got to get out. Absolutely. If you can't condemn it, there must be some form of accountability. Harvard's trying to sweep it under the rug. I think other people need to speak out and finally make this a make or break moment. If not, moral clarity now, then when? I mean, really, if you're not going to speak out after that pathetic testimony, after all the protests, then when are you going to do it? Well, here is an Israeli trial attorney speaking out. And boy, did he blast the president, Claudine Gay of Harvard. I think that every member of the board should ask himself or herself one question. What would their decision be if only one word of the question that was presented to the president of Harvard was changed. Instead of Jewish genocide, African-American genocide, Christian genocide, would she have given the same appalling answer? And what would their decision be about supporting her? I have a strong feeling that she definitely would not give the same answer. And if she would have given the same answer, I'm sure that it would have taken the board a minute to reach the logical conclusion that she is not fit to run to head 
one of the world's greatest universities. Bravo. And that's what needs to be said. There needs to be clear, concise action. And they're just sweeping it under the rug and hoping that maybe the story moves on. Well, here is Jamie Raskin. Of course, this is the guy on the January 6th committee. Remember, this is the one who everything was blasting Trump. And true to form, he's blaming Trump and the GOP for anti-Semitism. This is the most preposterous comment I have heard. Congressman Jamie Raskin of the good old uh, January 6th committee. You know, the, the part of the conversation that has not yet been elaborated is really about anti-Semitism. There's a national uproar over anti-Semitism. Somebody like Elise Stefanik has no problem going after Ivy League presidents. What about Donald Trump, who dines with Nicholas Fuentes, who is an unreconstructed Holocaust revisionist neo-Nazi uh, who says that Jews don't belong in Western civilization? Uh, you know, where is Elise Stefanik on that point? Right. Uh, Donald Trump was the one who saw, you know, uh, very fine people on both sides of Uh an anti-Semitic riot uh, in the unite uh, the right festivities called by neo-Nazi groups in Charlottesville in 2017. So if we're going to have a conversation about anti-Semitism, let's talk about real anti-Semitism in the Republican Party today and why Donald Trump, who traffics in anti-Semitic tropes, as he did in 2016 when he ran against Lloyd Blankfein, Janet Yellen, and George Soros saying that right. these globalists were not on the side of the American people. Like, when are we going to have the conversation about that? That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. President Biden doesn't do anything. He lets these people protest, doesn't rein them in, doesn't do any of those things. And yet Jamie Raskin is blaming President Trump for anti-Semitism. President Trump was the best friend to Israel. And I can tell you, if President Trump was in power right now, there would be clarity and unequivocal support of Netanyahu and the Israeli people. Uh, Hamas, anything that looked like a Hamas headquarters would look like a pile of rubble right now because our president instead that's in power has been waffling and weaving and everything else. And that is so dangerous. And that's the same reason why places like Harvard feel they can get away with what they just did. Because who's going to hold them accountable if not the public? The president sure as heck isn't. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Vic, line two. Vic, what do you think? Um, yeah, um, I think that one of the points that's being pushed aside or here is uh, is that pressure should be put not on the presidents because, you know, they're a contract is being extended by the board of trustees and all that. The pressure has to be put on the board of trustees because they're, like I said, those are the ones who determine how long the president is going to stay around. So, uh, you know, I think that that point is being diminished. Uh, And, you know, one way to put pressure on the board of trustees is to go after each one of them individually and, uh, you know, I don't know, put ads up, whatever, of these with these people's names and faces and that's the only way you're going to get rid of the president no you know what that is a fair point and also by the way money i mean look what happened there was a threat that a lot of money was pulled out what i was surprised and i don't know if this is accurate but uh bill ackman again the hedge fund guy was saying that harvard has lost about a billion dollars that's with a b 
uh, since all of this, because a lot of the donors were Jewish or just didn't like some of these anti-Semitic waffling that they've been doing. Um, so I think money also plays a role. But I also think I agree with you. You're right that the Board of Trustees plays played a huge role, obviously, the decisive role. The other thing is also is, you know, a lot of these schools have large endowments that have been around forever. So they've got buffers um, and maybe they're hoping it's going to like spill over in the meantime. And I also think that the Board of Trustees, Vic, was responding to all these faculty. You suddenly had uh, 700-plus faculty members saying, keep Claudine gay. So maybe if there had been 700 faculty that were against it, the board might feel differently. But I, I say that they sort of live in like a like their own little bubble because yes. you saw these interviews yes. with these professors who were like, what was wrong with Claudine Gay's comment? What was wrong with it? Yeah. What was right? I mean, because like, I think they're all living in their own little tunnel, don't you think? Yes, and most of them are a product of this whole DEI movement, yep. which, is post, which is putting incompetent people in uh, very responsible places. Absolutely. And, uh, including, so this whole DEI thing is a disaster. It has to be, it has to be gotten rid of. Um, it's just a sham. And and you know what it is also, Vic? Uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion doesn't apply to Jewish students, uh, only others. Uh, so that's where – is it really diversity, equity, and inclusion? So, boy, are there a lot of questions. Uh, great thoughts, Vic, very, very much. Let's go to Rose, uh, line three. Rose, what do you think? Well, I've got a, an unusual point of view in the sense that uh, the Semitic tribes were Christian, Jewish, and Muslim. And what I would like to say is that evidently a year before this whole nastiness came down on Israel, its security groups were uh, aware that something was amok and nobody did anything. But let's face it, war is very profitable for many different people. But wait a minute, Rose. Do you you don't think that they blindly turn an eye? I think you could you could certainly say they clearly missed the intelligence. I think they were you well. Know, well, you th- you think what you think? I, I, I wait a minute. We I have a guy there the with a, with a, with a big fat ego, and he's going to become a hero because he's going after those folks over there, and they're not one of us. Who who are you talking about? You're talking about Netanyahu? Is that yeah, who you, yeah, yeah. Although Rose, I think um I think I think maybe it was Stan who said this earlier. Uh there are a lot of people that are very critical of Netanyahu, uh, but right now obviously want to support Israel. They want to make sure that it's successful. Uh, I think the post mortem on what was missed, intelligence wise and everything else is gonna come over later. I don't I don't believe for a second that he was like, you know, uh wanted it to be uh, or this is going to galvanize him or something. I don't think anybody, I think, listen, I've talked to Netanyahu. I've met Netanyahu. I think he absolutely loves the state of Israel. And the last thing he would want to see is an attack on his homeland. Um, but uh, but I hear what you're saying. I do think there will be a lot of postmortem on what intel was missed. But I don't think that's the objective. Uh, let's go to Dick. Line five. Dick, what do you think? Number one, paradigm shift. Very important concept. Our parent, the, the paradigm that the president operates under, it's, he can't, he can't, he's part of the problem. He can never solve it over there in, in the, the Middle East. Yeah, and by in the way, and, and also, Dick, it's not his business. I mean, that's the one thing I find deep offense. That's like someone coming over and saying, uh, the Biden regime needs to change and they shouldn't be going after bin Laden. 
I would tell them where to go stuff it. You don't tell America how to lead its efforts, especially when their homeland was attacked like this. Uh, that's why I just find I find so much of this so reprehensible that he's like scolding them uh, privately and I think publicly. I'm not surprised to hear that Biden said this because I think he's been just despicable the way he's handled Israel, who, again, has been one of our greatest allies ever. And this president is throwing them under the bus at every turn and waffling, scolding Israel, uh, saying, hurry up already, basically. I mean, you know, uh, if somebody said that, how many years later did we finally find bin Laden in that house in Pakistan? Uh, We didn't give up. Why should Israel when they're fighting pure evil? Let's go to Adam in Mineola, line two. Your thoughts, Adam? One thing about you, you take my call sometime. I sure appreciate it. You're welcome, um, Adam. You're welcome. Right. Um. I, you know, I know you're not really trying to hear this, but I've seen videos of Christians, nuns in Israel, and every time the Jewish people walk by them, they spit on the ground. Like, what, what does that mean? You know what? I, I have heard that, and I actually don't know the answer to that. I've heard that there's some crazy... Uh, uh, spitting. It's like an ancient Jewish custom. So I've heard that it's some sort of custom that some people have uh, in the faith. I'm not Jewish, but I'm that's that's what I've heard, because I remember hearing that in the last day or two and thinking, oh, that's interesting. I haven't seen it. Uh, but what's your point? But uh, if you send me somewhere where I can send you a video, I'll sure send a video to you. But, you know, it's just that, you know, they, they, they keep talking about it too much. Like, I mean, like, yeah, it's it's a know. it's it's an unusual. A lot of places have different customs, but I've heard that it's some unusual custom, Adam. So, um, so I hear you. I I thought it was unusual too. It's not the not how I would address people. Um, but uh, but it certainly is interesting. Real quick, let's go to Bill, line four. Bill, your thoughts. Yeah, hi. Thanks for taking my call. I wanted to talk about Harvard, and I wanted to talk about a university called Heidelberg. Heidelberg University invented the concept of university. Before Harvard and Yale and Johns Hopkins were anything, Heidelberg was the best university on the planet. They invented the concept in law and medicine and physics and chemistry. And what's your point, Bill? Well, in the 1930s... Yeah. They went and purged all of their Jews. They purged all of their, you know, political people who didn't agree. So are you saying what it's like deep, it's deep rooted? Is this an education? Is this why you're going or where are you going? Thing here is that Heidelberg is now like maybe in the top 100 in the world, but it was number one. Right now, everyone thinks Harvard is number one, but I think Harvard has squandered this position. I think if they want to raise a generation of green-haired, angry, you know, leftists, they're not going to be number one in the world in medicine and law and physics and chemistry. You know, I agree, Bill. I agree. And and I think, sadly, they have squandered. There was such an amazing reputation of, you know, I know how many people, oh, my God, my my child got into Harvard. Uh, it was a dream come true. And how sad is that, uh, that I think now there will be a lot of people who will say they don't want to send their kids there or they're pulling their money. Uh, I think it is going to be tainted for a long, long time. And it's sad because there's probably a lot of good people there that have been deeply frustrated as we are seeing what's been going on there. But that's a great point, Bill, because uh, when you do something crazy, 
uh, guess what? The reputation may never come back to places like Harvard. 1-800-848-9222. You're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. It's the Rita Cosby Show. And we will, of course, keep you posted on what we're hearing will be an impeachment inquiry vote to formalize it against President Biden. That could happen potentially as early as tomorrow. And boy, Biden, I just think, has been a disaster with the way he is handling Israel. He's not clamping down on these anti-Semitic protests and actions taking place at schools. Uh, things are just really in disarray, and it's such an uncertain time. And if we had a president with a little bit of a, a clear leadership style, can you imagine if we had a Reagan or a Trump or somebody at this moment, I think the world would be a lot calmer. Let's go to Al, line five in Yonkers. Al, your thoughts. Uh, yeah, Rita, thanks for taking my call. Uh, yeah, just quickly, I wanted to touch on the problems with Biden and Netanyahu. That goes back to with Obama. And usually, uh, you know, uh, the Democratic administration presidents like Obama, Bill Clinton and uh, Biden, they work better with Labor Party leaders like Rabin. Uh, you know, and they always have a hard time with uh, leaders that come from the uh, right-wing parties like Likud and the offshoot party at a time, Kadima. And, so and by the way, surprised. by the way, Al, you are correct, but yeah. and and you're right. Although, don't you think when a country is battling for its survival against terrorists? They know they're taking incoming. I'm talking about the propaganda war. This yes. is not a time to be gray. You know, they, they need to put personal politics aside and say we support Israel and we support their efforts to eradicate Hamas. It's not hard to say. And for some reason, right. it's hard for this president to do it. I think it's it's shameful what he just did in the last 24 That's hours. Right. That's right. And I agree with you 100 percent. Yeah, crazy time. Al, thank you very much. Let's go to Tony. Line three. Tony, your thoughts real quick. Hi, I just want to say, Rita, on Claudine Gay, I have to say shame on you, Claudine, because this country was very good to you. You came here as an immigrant. Your your father was in our military. Your mom was a nurse. You wrote tons of papers in your history on on fairness and equity for the races, particularly yours. And yet in all those papers that you wrote and in the great position that you got, you didn't give one damn about protecting those students at your university. Shame on you, Claudia. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, it is shameful. And shame on the board and shame on the faculty. This was a time to stand up. And boy, if you give them a grade, it's an F. <laughs> 